Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast, your source for discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join your host, I Love Kim Possible a Lot, or KP, and Lauren Kizich, the Abbey Roadie, for today's discussion. If you like what you hear, please remember to support by giving a like, a follow, as well as subscribing to the main I Love Kim Possible a Lot channel on YouTube. Spread the word and keep being a part of a great community. This episode is appropriate for all ages. Well, so, how about that blue hedgehog? Okay, welcome everyone to Animation Communication. I'm KP and this is Lauren and we're actually in the same room. And I'm going to make my stupid joke where I can touch you like I Harry Potter. I can touch you now. Ah! Now I've sacrificed the firstborn, so hopefully <laughs> hopefully this, 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 this works, I guess. So, um... What are we talking about today, Lauren? We're talking about that blue hedgehog, Sonic. Sonic, yeah. We, so we literally just came back from the movie theater. Well, we had lunch. Lunch was good. Sushi was good. So we, we came back from the movie theater after we saw Sonic, and then we have some other general topics. Um, so let's, um, yeah, so we, do you want to do casual discussions before we get into things? Yeah, let's, like, like, how about initial reaction? KP, what did you think of the Sonic movie? What did you think was a uh, strength of the movie that stood out to you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to get technical. So, um, I'm, Lauren probably knows, you know more, much more about Sonic than I do, right? Probably like, a smidge more. But, yeah. So but what, what I, is... But, I think I, it's like, okay, if you want, I can start, and then we can see if you want. I don't know, which... which okay, um... <laughs> well, well, what are, give me some general history about Sonic. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm like, considering I probably know just like a little bit more. When a mom hedgehog and a dad hedgehog <laughs> love each other. There's a, there's a red echidna, there's a blue hedgehog, there's a tail, a two-tailed fox, uh, there's a pink hedgehog, and, <laughs> and then there is some crazy guy that's shaped like an egg and has a bunch of robots. What more do you need to know? <laughs> okay, so, um, so. What like what are what's like some general history? Because I know they made that that stupid eighties cartoon where the, the no good for drugs. Oh yes. So it in general Sega I, since like early in like nineteen ninety is probably around the time that Sonic originally came out. And this is going off the top of my head of Sonic history right now. Putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. So um, but the but in general uh, for those not in the know, yeah, it was like nineteen ninety, and then uh, Sonic over time quickly became the just the uh, mascot of. Um, it's just like where uh, Nintendo had Mario and stuff like that. They, they Sega had had Sonic, and mm-hmm. so uh, quickly became a phenomenon, and 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 swept his way into television, and, and not just video games, but television, and had Jaleel White voicing him in a cartoon called Sonic Adventures, and which is where the infamous Sonic says bits came from. The you know if you if you were touching a place where you're uncomfortable, that's no good. <laughs> First, you get out of there. Then, you tell a police officer. Like that kind of <laughs> I like how you, you knew that off the top of your head. I remember too much. <laughs> too many random things I remember. But sometimes they can come handy like this. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, and you know, over time he's become just like a worldwide phenomenon. And he's just synonymous with video games in general and pop culture. And, I mean, he's even made his way into Disney movies. He's made his way into into Wreck-It Ralph 1 and 2 uh, in Disney. And Disney doesn't even have the rights to Sonic. They had the permission to use him, though. So, um, so I mean, yeah. It's, and in terms of the story, I mean, it, it, I feel like to sum it up very 
simply, as simply as I can put it, is there is a blue hedgehog who has super speed. There is Robotnik, his arch nemesis, who has a lot of robots and wants to defeat him. Can you explain, like, the piss on the moon thing? <laughs> okay, that one, I can't That's the really... the only other thing I, mean, I, know. I laugh at the memes that it... And I can't really go into the history of that because I don't want to misinform anybody on the improper history. I just, as far as I know, it was taking game footage and dubbing over it. Okay. And, and it was, well, it was, like, taking it with believe it was the original voice actor for Robotnik who was just going on a rant and they edited over game footage of Robotnik and, and that happened and then I think he even went out to say like these aren't my real thoughts and beliefs I had to clarify that I wouldn't believe in swearing in front of little kids or anything like that like somebody did this and I, so I, if I remember it all correctly it was that kind of it was that kind of deal but it was really just something that kind of began as a uh, cluster shiz, I, I don't know how much I can actually swear on this, uh, but we, if we yeah. have kids listening. So, uh, uh, cluster shiz, we'll say that. Um, of, of just meme culture, the internet going haywire, mm-hmm. and uh, and the voice actor uh, kind of just going on a tangent. So, you know, the internet 101. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but to connect that to uh, the movie going forward here, um, in my initial reactions to it and seeing how closely it's tied to origins. I mean, in the, even with James Marsden being woven into yet another live action animated hybrid movie where he's paired up with a non-human animated <laughs> sidekick driving in a car with said sidekick. God, why, why does he keep getting strapped into these things? But this is comparatively at least the best one he's been in. And this is, you know, initial reaction is, yeah, this is the best one he's been in of all the ones that he, he got strapped into a car with. So I always get him and Chris Pratt, uh, Chris Pratt confused. Really? They, yeah, they look familiar. They look similar. I think it is it the, is it the, the uh, well, uh, James, no, James Marsden's a little more clean shaven all the time. Okay. I think it's just like the, the goofy kind of sidekick, like bumbling tone to oh, that's their true. roles. So, yeah. you know. But yeah, it's uh. But in terms of the movie, I absolutely, I absolutely had a great time with it, and I love that it didn't try to take itself too seriously. I mean, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. You're, you you want to have fun with it. You're trying not to overthink everything. And even with Robotnik going all haywire crazy, Jim Carrey stole the show. FYI, he yeah. was. And I mean, when everybody says he stole the show, and I was thinking, well, I mean, I'm sure he's great because I mean, he he's always great. But um. And he just owns every role he ever does, even whether the project's good or bad. Um, and so with this movie, I mean, he went balls to the wall, just like he went absolutely full into Robotnik and just being the the complete mad scientist, mad genius. And it was and it was just fun seeing him just like literally dance and prance around the <laughs> around the screen, just come fully enveloped in himself, and it was great. So. Um, uh, and we got to have like a little bit more of like you know looking into basic backstory behind some of the characters in the movie, which is which is cool because if there's a lot of people that you know their families and you have kids that know Sonic, but then you have the parents that don't know or anything like that mm-hmm. or vice versa. Uh, they did try to fill you in a little bit on it, but it does help, of course, to know the general basis of Sonic going in, it just to help appreciate things a lot more. But they did do a pretty good job, I think, with establishing things for people who didn't know. Yeah, um, my Sonic knowledge is pretty limited. I knew he was a blue hedgehog that went fast, essentially. And I did have one of the Game Boy Advance, not the Game Boy Advance, the 
Nintendo 64 games um, with Sonic and Shadow and like and the the kiss on the moon. <laughs> um, those are those were my familiar things. So just I was going into it as a general like, oh, silly Hollywood. What are they trying to do? Why is Jim Carrey in this? But you know, um, you know, I hope this isn't like dumpster fire garbage as far as you know, just taking my twenty dollars from a movie that's you know new. You know, I was too too stupid to pay for essentially. But um, for yeah. the record, best thing you can do obviously is go to Imagination Speakers in here because that's what we did. It was um, still crowded. I mean, the, the, as of this recording, the movie only came out yesterday. But yeah. you know. and so uh, and the fact is, is like I was, I remember like looking at seats for the theater. It was like just getting there and trying to get tickets at, uh, to be seated and seeing how few seats were actually left because you, you know if you're sitting in stadium seating, you don't want to sit up. Because I've had that happen where, like, worst case scenario, I'm like, okay, well, I have nothing left. I'm already here. I'm going to take the front seats, and it's the worst. Right. And yeah. it was adorable because there were multiple children wearing Sonic shirts, and, like, had one one little boy had, like, a Sonic stuffed animal. Too. Oh, there were, like, a number of kids that actually had Sonic plushies, which was really cute. And then a whole lot of them were wearing either classic Sonic, which we're talking, like, we're talking Sonic Adventure Sonic, which was, like, OG Sonic. Mm-hmm. And then you had some that had, like, maybe more of the Sonic X from later incarnations, maybe... Uh, I think, I swear I saw Sonic Boom. And I know it's like, it's funny because Sonic Boom, the game I know has a lot of its issues and I understand that, especially from everybody's comments on it. Uh, but the show itself is actually really good. If you ever get the chance to check out Sonic Boom, a lot of fourth wall breaking. The writers were clearly having a great time with it. So Yeah, I've seen clips of Sonic, Sonic Boom too. So like, you know, that's the thing. It's just there's potential in there for the fan stars from what I understand, but it's just that no one's really approached it um, with an intelligent filmmaking mind in mind, and this is the first time I, I feel like, um, from my layman's understanding, that's what happened here. Yeah. You know, like, all the characters um, were developed in a way that made it feel pretty organic. Sonic was as not as, was not as annoying as I thought he would be, mm-hmm. and he had kind of a real struggle as far as finding his home. I was, like, incredibly surprised by Jim Carrey and how close they were, like, or how much care they put time into, um, you know, developing his character versus just like, lol, it's Jim Carrey, he's gonna do some funny things and make people feel awkward, and that's the movie, but that didn't happen. Yeah, no, so. it's like, he, they allowed him to obviously ham it up in his role, but at the same time, it's being true to the kind of character that they're establishing with Robotnik, which was, yeah, mad genius, mad scientist, with five PhDs, and and him having bragging rights of being like, a well... While everybody else was sipping formula as a baby, I was creating formulas before I was, like, a toddler. So, I mean, he's obviously, when he goes around with the bragging rights of having the crazy crazy smarts and the, the crazy tech and all of that, that he's just absolutely bonkers insane. But but he's also a genius at it. So it's, uh, so it's, it's I loved seeing how he interpreted that role. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I like is when you have an actor that really does have some creatively way in how they interpret the character mm-hmm. and it was still very tied into what the franchise was intending so. right yeah i mean i'm just my favorite thing and lauren was there so when we saw the movie well this is a slight spoiler but when we saw the movie they put the exotic go fast theme Do you yes, like that, that, <laughs> yeah um yeah absolutely this movie was a huge nod to the sonic memes the sonic meme culture because uh, there's uh, this crazy
crazy old man that lives in, in uh, what was it, Green Hill Valley? Is that a Green Hill? Yeah, it's the name. It's a, it's a little town in Montana where the story takes place. Um, and there's a crazy old, crazy old Maurice. Yeah, and we've been essentially just saying crazy Maurice to each other all day. So. Yeah, it's a crazy old man who uh, claims to have seen this speedy blue devil. Right, so he and he, the only thing is, you know, you can't take pictures of something that moves fast and and accentuate the crazy. He scribbles down this his interpretation of what he's seen. And it's literally the scribble, the scribbled sonic meme of gotta go fast. And I swear to you, the entire theater was dying. Yeah. It was because everybody knew it once they saw it. And they're like, okay, this is what the movie's establishing for us right now. And uh, never mind yeah, the just, background just, noise. Just re- like, wait till they go by and then just repeat it. Oh, yeah. Repeat from a piece. So I will tell you this from the point where uh, <laughs> when, when that came out, every, the whole theater erupted it was so fun i mean even the little kids were, were laughing at it because it's like now everybody knows and is in on that kind of joke and it kind of already established because it was so early on in the movie that they played that joke that they um, it was it was establishing the tone of the movie going forward like this is we're gonna give you the little nudge nudge wink wink jokes <laughs> the, and easter eggs uh, as we as we go forward in this movie and i think that was what was great and they slid that in just it, it was just the perfect timing for them to do it, and uh, especially knowing how much the internet has talked about this movie long before it was ever released. And you know, we, let's talk about that controversy. The controversy. Um, for those who don't know, um, I don't know how you don't know because it's, it's it was a pretty it was a pretty lit thing back in like what a couple of months ago, like six, five or six months ago. But essentially, um, when the first previews for these movies came out, um, actually, it was probably actually. It was about almost a year ago. Like, yeah. It was March of last year, I believe. Maybe February of last year. When the first trailer, I wouldn't say teaser, uh, yeah, just teaser, was dropped for uh, the Sonic movie. And that was with the infamous first iteration of Sonic's design. This was the world's first look at the live-action Sonic movie. And, uh, yeah, well, the internet kind of exploded <laughs> over the absurdity. And... And it's such a, it's, I mean, it's a heartbreaking story going forward with the whole production mess of the movie and when they were at that point and had released that. But, I mean, it was just, it was a whole corporate mess uh, that uh, that led to that first incar- incarnation. Uh, but at the same time, they were able to adjust the release date in order to fix what what happened. And so we already know that the first iteration of that Sonic design was, uh, well, horrifying to say the least. Um, for the people who don't know, can you give some backstory about what happened with like after after the fact with production studios and yeah? So, uh, so Moving Pictures Company, which is like a, I believe it's a subsidiary of Technicolor, um, which works obviously in, in visual effects in the film industry and just in film in general, is a huge standing company. Uh, they have several branches, and one of them was a branch in Vancouver, and they were responsible for the redesign of Sonic, as far as I know. And they were the same studio that also, at the same time, worked on Detective Pikachu, and and uh, let's see, they worked on Cats 2019, Oof. and that's another episode for another time, probably. But uh, but uh, but they were the the whole. The story is is that they were incredibly overworked and incredibly underpaid. They were 
working 80 plus hours a week on and on top of weekends and then just like I think a week and a half before Christmas uh, the whole studio was bunked and they were all every every visual effects artist was given the boot it was the studio was shut down and everybody was laid off this is after they worked their butt off yes and so and uh, and so that's why it's like uh and then uh at, yeah at the time of this recording there was even the, this whole thing about uh a joke being jabbed at the cats 2019 movie during the oscars uh is that when rebel wilson and uh and uh, James Corden came out in their respective cat suits, uh, and they said, "If there's any one production that knows the importance of visual effects, it's cats." Oof! And and nobody was a fan of that joke uh, because of what happened with the artists because they were overworked to get to that point, and it was like they were working on a tight schedule already spread thin. And so suddenly it was like put. It, it's almost sort of seemed almost seemed like the mud was flung at the artists' faces for what they did when it was out of their control. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that kind of like that again all all ties back into Sonic and how they made Sonic look absolutely fantastic in the new iteration, and especially when that was uh, this re- re- the redesign was spearheaded by Tyson Hesse, who. Was uh, or how I remember him, he was an online animator. I started out with some of his animations when he was, I believe, at CalArts. So mm-hmm. he was a CalArts animator. Okay. Um, to backtrack a little bit, why did everyone get laid off? Because it was the the sorry, yeah, movie picture company. Uh, they wanted to look into uh expanding elsewhere for their company. They wanted to basically shut down the studio in Vancouver and look for a place where it was going to be more fiscally. Uh, beneficial for them to have a studio set set up, so they were looking to shut down that one and find a place where it was basically cheaper. So for them to going to for those who don't know, for go if you're if you're outsourcing animation, um, it's usually cheaper to do it somewhere in Asia. Um, Korea is a popular choice just because they don't have this like un, it's very unethical. They don't have the same uh, you know work labor union rights. So, like, especially 2D animators, like traditional animators that, you know, are making stuff for television are, like, certainly underpaid. But it's cheaper for the companies, and it's not technically illegal because there's no legal system, you know, established there, I guess. Yeah. So, but we should we, probably change that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that, like, the whole other thing is what happened. Like, there is a little bit I know of, of what happened with the Carmen San Diego show on Netflix with the animators being severely underpaid and extremely overworked on that as well but that's again a story for another time just a little footnote uh that is related to the topic um but it's in general uh it's like i want to be able to take this moment to praise all the visual effects artists that worked on not only on sonic but on detective pikachu everybody who was at the vancouver uh moving pictures company that worked on all of these films i mean don't don't think your work is gone uncelebrated and unnoticed because mm-hmm. I mean I could we could tell that every single thing that had so much detail and so much work and so much heart and soul put into it to make something come to life the way it did especially what we were really like I was already happy enough with like I loved Detective Pikachu and mm-hmm. seeing how that came forward and making making us believe that we that you know Pokemon existed in our world and it was just how believable they looked uh they were able to do that so well and 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 bless you to do it within a time constraint of being able to do that with Sonic 
Um, so I'm I'm proud of you guys and thank you for everything that you did because my God, the, the film was more than worth it. I'm so glad we got to go and see it in in theaters on opening weekend. That's what we wanted to do from the get go, and especially to talk about it because you know your your work hasn't gone unnoticed. So thank you. Yeah, I'll just add too. I thought it was a really great touch that um, if you notice that Sonic has his little like he's got his quills and then he has his little sticky down in the back of his hair mm-hmm. or whatever, more you know whatever he's got. Like there's some um, specifically textured quills just kind of in the general outline of the, of the back of his body mm-hmm. and. loving lovingly crafted at least by the end product of what we got a lovingly craft crafted cash grab because you had people who love sonic and grew up with sonic and that's all they they knew they wanted to do is create something that was really for the fans yeah this isn't like a uh this is this is not a one-time stand this is casually like buying you dinner for so, <laughs> this is the best way i'll put it but yeah if you're if you're if you haven't seen sonic or you're like me who kind of casually have a general understanding of this is a really good way, I think, to start out because you can tell, like, it's a solid, you know, everyone's felt clearly, there's a clear goal, it's not the most amazing movie ever, but, you know, I think our general culture in the last five years, we've just been used to consuming these cartoons and CGI remakes like Chipmunks and the Smurfs mm-hmm. that are just incredibly mediocre, and, um, you know, we face our expectations about that, and then when we get new stuff like this, we're just like, especially with all the redesigns going on, then you know we're just like, oh, here we go again. But you know, I think it, and this, this is, it's very obvious that this wants to be a franchise. There's tons of, or there's like two um, sequel hooks. There's two sequel hooks at the very end, and we don't want to give away too much. I mean, yeah. because as it is, we're trying not to talk about too many details. I mean, we'll say mild spoiler alert in this. Because it's just, yeah, there's saved for not one, but two credit scenes, by the way. Right when you think you've gotten the one, you know, stick around a little longer and you, I promise you, you will be rewarded. Especially <laughs> if you're a, if you're a Sonic fan. Even if you're casual Sonic and you know just generally the, the, the characters and the stories and stuff like that. I mean, you'll appreciate it even more. Yeah. So, definitely do it. So, and take a note, everyone who else who is making a CG, a cartoon to in the real world CGI thing. I mean, this is this is. I think it's it's not as intricate and amazing as Roger Rabbit, but it's definitely not Smurfs. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like um, the only thing I'll say before we move on is, um, well, I guess that gets into spoilers, so we won't get into that this this time. But I was just gonna say, like, like Eggman this time is technically working for the government, and they're technically trying to use him for something good. It's just more of like the 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 contrast between that those needs and Sonic's own needs and like 
you know, I don't think that was really explored as um, ethically as it could have been, but that's a yeah, and we'll see, uh, because, I mean, the way they they have designed the story, it's definitely designed to have a sequel. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll see where they go with it from that point. I mean, where they leave it off is, like, it, they try to leave it relatively open-ended to see where it's going to happen. Um, so we're, we'll see how they tie up some loose ends in the sequel, the inevitable sequel, which I'm hoping, uh, you know, they have, that they do something with, with moving pictures company or something like that where they can uh, work at least with the same team that worked on the first movie because mm-hmm. I mean you can't can't get any better than the team that already passionately created the first Sonic movie and made it as big a success as it was um yeah I think I think that's all all we're to say about Sonic so go see Sonic please it's it's, it's we're a little bit here there it is theater. there it uh, is and we'll just plug this in Okay. okay, now we're going. We're live, and we're, yeah, and we're so okay. okay. It's, it was trying to find the internet that doesn't exist of right now. So I guess we'll re. Why don't you re- repeat? Was the last thing? No, we we. I think we were just kind of uh, rambling. So yeah. speaking of cats and the Oscars, let's talk about the best picture, um, or the best animated picture nominees, and and let's just rant about how the Oscars generally doesn't understand animation. Yeah, let's. So a brief history into animation in general for the Oscars, um. The Academy Awards has not really, uh, it hasn't really truly respected animation as a true, not just an art form, but it's like, yeah, well, as an art form, but as a medium of film. Uh, that uh, Because too many people have gone under the mis- misconception that cartoons or anything that's animation in general is meant for kids and therefore shouldn't be looked at seriously as another, as any of the other film forms, like in live action. And if you guys know your animation history, that originated from the 50s and Hanna-Barbera and how Hanna-Barbera basically used uh, techniques of limited animation. Um, I talk about this more in my um, Animation for Kids video. Go, I guess go watch it if you haven't seen it. But um, TLDR and um, kids had a more forgiving eye for um, aspects of limited animation because if you look back, then Hanna-Barbera was, was pumping out like everything in their mom. So, um, <laughs> you know... That's not really a, a pretty insip, but you know, I can't. I guess it can. I, <laughs> like, I was going to say, I'm like, that sounds a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I guess it can be interpreted that way, so, you know, whatever. So, um, but, but to be fair, I just did a Betty Rubble Google, so that was <laughs> But, uh, But yeah, no, and with the, in connection to uh, the Oscars, uh, the first time that an animated movie was even considered for an Academy Award in terms of, like, for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say for an Academy Award, but for specifically for Best Picture was actually Beauty and the Beast from 1971, Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Before both of us were born. Yep. <laughs> so so uh, that was the history that, that, that people were upset that an animated movie was even classified in the same category as all these other live-action movies. Like, and people don't talk about that part. People were, like, actually upset. And uh, and so what the Academy did was, like, uh, well, we'll make a category, I guess, at some point for animation. And uh, and, and that way we can actually, we can have the animated stuff go, go there. And they did that for animated shorts as well. When in reality, I mean, you look at the big, some of the biggest money-making movies, Right, the, the highest grossing movie of all time now, it's now taken uh, taken the throne back. 
from at, from uh, what was uh, let's see, because Avatar originally held the movie like hype. Movie all time. Uh, I was trying to remember. Um, there was a movie that dethroned Frozen, and it was tw- yes, it was Lion King twenty nineteen. It dethroned yeah. Frozen as the highest grossing animated film of all time. But uh, and then Frozen two took that back from Lion King, and so uh, so you can't. It's like the the Academy. I mean. If you're not even trying to look at it from grossing, it from a grossing aspect, it, you have to look at the fact that of the amount of cultural impact animated movies and animation in general has had on culture and it had on the way we interact with each other and and the way we connect with everybody. It's it's it, they've shared stories with us that so many people would kind of like. I feel like so many would turn a blind eye to because if it's not told through an animated medium, it's almost maybe too much to take. Mm-hmm. So animation is so powerful in that it can still give you a heavy story or something like that where it's, sometimes it's dark, sometimes it's depressing. But if you're presenting it in a medium that makes it like feel like you can actually, you know, you can follow the story, you can mm-hmm. get wrapped up in it, and it's okay, you can openly feel the way you do uh, and reacting to it. It's like with animation, it's so different than live action in that respect because it is art. It is moving art. It's the illusion of life, which... Kind of what Disney. Wow, um, we, did, we did it. We did the thing. We said the thing. Uh, but the uh, but yeah, with the with the Academy's treatment of the of the of the category of animated feature, uh, I mean it's it's too often been an award that's been given to the bigger companies to the the because it's all a matter. Of, I think you said Adam ruins everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it goes into the how the Academy voting works and stuff like. And how, uh, yeah, how movie voting works, and it's a lot of it involves a lot of money, a lot of trying to sell and push your movie, and promote your movie, and telling people to paying people to promote your movie. So it's all, and and then on the other hand, it's also a matter of it, there's all these adults that were like, oh, I only vote for the one my kid watched. Or, so or they only vote for the one that they recognize the company for. Like, yeah. oh, I know Disney. Let's vote for the Disney one. And like, that's not the point. Yeah, and so, and that's what, and that's nothing against the like Disney in general because they do make quality work. Yeah, and Pixar and DreamWorks and all that that stuff. But when you're starting to see that every year it's the same winner, and it's it's, and when you know that there are some incredible films that have come out of other studios that you know. Have a have a running chance of winning that award and deserve it. Mm-hmm. It's that's when it gets that's when it gets muddy. So it's it's especially so in re- relevancy to this year and actually in comparison to last year mm-hmm. with twenty eighteen or twenty eighteen's uh into into the Spider Verse, uh they uh, uh Sony's uh Spider Man into the Spider Verse won the twenty nineteen Best Animated Feature Award, which was phenomenal. I yeah. mean, and then the just just the effect of that victory lasted all throughout the year, mm-hmm. not just around award season. And so it was a huge staple for, for Sony to win that award because everybody knew that the movie was great, but they were worried that it didn't stand a chance against Disney, against Pixar, against DreamWorks, against any of the companies. Considering DreamWorks was the first was the company that actually won the first yeah. ever animated feature award for Shrek. Yeah, thanks, Shrek. <laughs> so Shrek set the standard, and and it and rightfully so at the time it was incredibly advanced for what it produced, and it was well and it was well written, 
It was a great story, and it had incredible animation to boot, especially with very advanced technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but with uh, with Sony's victory, people got hopeful that the that this meant a change in in trends and voting trends as the years would go on for animation. That didn't exactly happen. It inched its way in this year only in the nominees, but not in the victory. So the winner was Pixar's All These Animators All Over the World. It took years, right? It took literally years to produce because of how many artists were hired on, literally as like could be freelancers or contractors, from all over the world. And so some people were in the studio and some people were working abroad. So, uh, and it was, it's an incredible production with an incredible history. And, uh, and so many people were, and, and, and it incorporated what would normally be shading for 3D into a 2D medium. It was a 2D, fully 2D animated film where it had some aspects of it, like 3D model, like maybe a vehicle. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it was hand-drawn and beautifully so. And the thing is, is like they incorporated this new technology into making it, the, the have the lighting behave on their characters that were 2D as if it was a 3D model. Mm-hmm. So it would be like under lighting, cast shadow, anything like that, ambient lighting, all of that had to be developed by them. They had to figure that out. Yeah. So it would work on their stuff, and it looks incredible. And that's why people think, oh, is this 3D animated? It just, like, it, but it's not. It's, <laughs> the lighting was just that good. And Oh, we tricked you. Yeah, so, um, so a lot of people obviously were very hopeful. And with Missing Link winning at the Golden Globes as well, uh, that that walked away with Best Animated Feature at the Golden Globes this year. And that was like and Leica deserved that win. Uh, they're another unsung studio, vastly underrated, uh, producing Kubo and the Two Strings, Coraline, Paranorman, uh, Box Trolls, and then uh, and then Missing Link as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and com- entirely stop motion. You realize how hard stop motion is? Yeah, and they're, <laughs> I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're the only, like, major studio that's actually still making stop motion. Like, I know... If someone needs something, they'll just kind of hire it out. But even like when, like when Disney is always like cautiously like, let's do a Nightmare Before Christmas thing. And even when they when they did do some new Nightmare Before Christmas stuff for the overhaul at Disneyland for um the the, the what is it the night for, for the haunted mansion? Yeah, what's it? What's it called? It's a uh, it's a uh, haunted mansion. Okay, haunt, haunted mansion holiday. Yeah. So when Jack. I, this is, I mean, the ride's been out for years, so whatever. So when Jack is, like, on the top of the, the frame for the thing, it's not stop motion, he's CGI, you know? Right. So I don't know anyone who's really doing stop motion seriously, except, like, like kids on YouTube who, you know, God bless them, but I don't think a studio is really doing it. No, Leica is, like, one of the ones that's, one of the few that's doing solidly stop motion and is actually, like, and has been consistently, they've been actually nominated several times with their with their films they've just it's just been very hard for them to see them win a lot of mm-hmm. them, at least in terms of like golden globes and academy awards they win they win in all these other awards though in all the other um uh competitions and they win all these other awards but it's when you're thinking about in terms of like i guess saying it saying it i guess like the main quote mainstream right uh awards uh it's yeah it's the award ceremonies uh yeah, it's just a shame when you don't see that happen. And then it, it has created a lot of debate as to whether the Academy Awards 
Uh, some people say they shouldn't even have the animated category anymore if they're going to mistreat uh, yeah. animation anymore. Or and do they keep it around and they just bring in fresh blood to, to vote? In, or maybe even make a whole committee just to vote for animation. Because if you're having one committee voting for everything, mm-hmm. they may not have the same perspective, obviously, as uh, as some other people who can actually gauge. That's why the Annie's, we have the Annie's, because yeah. they, that's all it is, is they're designed to look at all these films for what they truly are and all the aspects. Right, and God bless the Annie's. I'll, I'll end on these two notes, is like, you know, every time I see the Academy do something stupid, because, you know, let's face it, it's highly influenced by money, and, you know, go watch that, arrange everything, and it's, it's a shame, because... You know, like the arts deserve so much more than that. But like, it's like, I I did a I retweeted something on Twitter where it's like confessions or whatever of why specific people voted for like Toy Story four, or Big Hero six, or like the like specific things in the in the thing the the categories. And it's not necessarily bad, but just like they're just like, well, the kids saw it and whatever. So you know, like like all. Oh, old white men, like, not understanding how, like, like, animation film as a medium is, like, a hundred years old, and, like, I know you're limited by your sense of scale, but um, Spielberg talks about this a lot when he's doing, you know, tours or whatever, is that people seem to have a specific um, time range as far as when they're going to go back and consume art, and realistically, they're, like, you know, unless you go back to the beginning, beginning, that's kind of what you need to do, and people have these preconceived ideas of what they, what kind of media they want to consume. Like, oh, it needs to be a three act structure. Oh, blah, blah. and like you know, personally, as story driven people, were like, we need there needs to be narrative. I hate experimental films. I had to go through them in college, and I just I can't I can't do experimental films anymore. And same thing with animation. Like, you know, I can be like, I love it, but if it doesn't have a story, you know, people aren't going to emote with it the same way as it, if it did. So that's mm-hmm. why the story, I think, has to be the forefront. But, you know, limit yourself. And I might have said this last time, so cut it cut it if I said it last time. But, you know, I always um, advise people that are interested in animation, go watch the old school Charlie Chaplin film because that, again, helps you go back as well as studying nonverbal communication because in emphasis and exaggeration because that's, these are things you need to know to um to understand just how animation works and there's someone who's doing it without really doing it in a way and you know you need to expand it if it's black and white so what mm-hmm. you know what's a good black and white movie that's really sad but still good is Schindler's List and you know it's not like they could they could have made that in color but they didn't because it was important to the to the aesthetic of the film so just because things are dated doesn't mean they're not bad so you know right. my my homework for you if you I I recommend my homework my homework for you, dear listener, is go watch a movie pre, like, 1950s or pre-1950s. Like, something that is even considered a classic. So go watch Casablanca if you haven't seen it. Go watch some Charlie Chaplin stuff. Go watch one of my favorite movies ever, Gone with the Wind. It's, it's, long, as, it's long as hell, but, you know, it's still really <laughs> good. Um, you know, and just try to kind of, the more you're exposed to, the more you can learn from other past films, learn what they did good and what they did not good. And then you can incorporate that into your own project through just general understanding. So a lot of times when I'm describing what I want visually for my own projects, I'll say instead of like, what about this idea? I'll be like, hey, what about when they put the, this thing in this film? Like capture that emotion, capture the, 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 the tone, you know, and it's much, and you know it works because it works here. So it's all about reincorporating themes and like learning from the past and all that stuff. 
Okay, I, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, do, you, okay. do you want to add anything, Lauren? Um, I feel like we covered a lot here, uh, which is, I know, sorry if we go on tangents or anything, but we do try to keep it to, uh, we do try to keep it to a general outline. That's, that's what happens when you love a medium. <laughs> yeah, we, have, we get a little, we get a little passionate, and that's okay. I mean, hey, we're in the right business for it, right? Okay. Um, but yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just, a, I think what we also want to do is create a little discussion here. Uh, just because it's not to cause any controversy, but to just see what people think, obviously. So, uh, I want Twitter, social media people, anybody you want to talk about it here, especially on Twitter, because we like to hear from you. Um, what do you think about, first of all, if you've seen Sonic, we want to know your thoughts on Sonic. Let me know what you liked, what you didn't like, what you feel like, what, what were some favorite parts of yours? And if you want to be spoiler-free, go ahead. If you want to spoil it away, just, just put a spoiler hashtag on it, I guess. <laughs> do that <laughs> thing. Do the thing. Um, uh, and then also, what we want to do is we want to know, on the general topic of animation as a category in the Academy Awards, what do you think about the category, how it's treated? Do you think that it should stick around as the Academy Awards? Do you think it should be nixed? Do you think maybe it needs a new committee? What, what do you think? What are your thoughts on how animation should be considered as part of the Oscars? Um, yeah, I think do you want to do it. Did you cover all the list stuff on your phone list? Yep. Okay. We covered I just want to check before we start doing our end tags. So, um, and then uh, my end tag before the actual end tags. Um, so, yeah, if you like this podcast feel free to follow us on youtube um if you're following us on youtube we'll do specific stuff where sometimes we'll do live shows sometimes we do on location shooting and obviously we can't upload that to spotify or whatever but we'll have the on-camera version on youtube and, and we try to do that today actually it just didn't work but you know <laughs> for the future Technical so difficulties so there'll be that. more there'll be like different aspects of it on youtube so subscribe on youtube um um follow on spotify or SoundCloud or whatever, I don't, I don't know. At the very least, keep up on our social media profiles here, especially on our Twitter, because yeah. we do have that started up, and we're trying to get all these accounts started up here. Uh, and, uh, yeah, because uh, we're basically posting these to YouTube, right? Yeah, so we're posting, well, we'll we haven't we haven't launched, but we'll do, we'll, we'll do both. We'll do both, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, our Twitter is at the, at the KP podcast. I think I said this last time, but only because nothing else was taken. So it's like, <laughs> like the KP podcast and Lauren sometimes. So <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's just it's, it's the easier thing to grab. And then obviously the most realistic thing is I'll say it. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to me on YouTube. If Lauren doesn't have a YouTube, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean I have a YouTube. I just don't post a whole lot of. Yeah, you, Lauren's on a YouTube. I'm, I'm lurking in the comments section, so that's for sure. <laughs> So Lauren's main thing is the podcast. So make sure you're subscribing on YouTube and also make sure your notifications on because uh, realistically, like, you know, the more people that are watching the videos as soon as they come out, the better they're going to perform. And the better they're performing, the more people will see them and the more people can learn about animation or, or watch some fun content. Like the whole point and part of my passion for going forward with YouTube is expanding and we can't really expand if it's just preaching to the same people over and over again. So yeah, spread the word. Yeah, spread the word about me. Well, spread the word about the podcast, <laughs> spread about the word about the YouTube channel. So me, I'm at, or I'm, I live from possible on YouTube and then the animation communication on YouTube or, you know, it should be easy to, enough to find. 
Um, yeah, make sure all that stuff is on, I guess. And, you know, if, if you're doing all that, please just spread the word. Tell your friends. Um, any, like, we appreciate absolutely, we appreciate absolutely anything you do. Um, it, it's very helpful, especially since we're just starting out this podcast and mm-hmm. don't really know what direction we'll go yet. So. Yeah, and it takes, it takes a village to get everything moving. So yeah. it, the more the more people you can spread this to, the better. Mm-hmm. And then it gets word out. And then all we want to do is, all we want to do is speak word of, of the animation gospel. Have you, have you heard of our Lord and Savior, Lauren Faust? <laughs> so, anyway. Um, yeah. yeah, so, you know, it's all about education, informing, and kind of creating a community, because I don't think anyone's doing it this way, where we're trying to incorporate professionals and industry people just to let them have some interaction with fans and you guys, and, like, everyone's everyone gets a mutually beneficial deal from that. So, you know, the more people are watching... The more um, high-profile guests we can computer froze up again. Okay, okay, here and we're back. Okay, so yeah, so like I said, anything you can do, and um, you know, I just basically want Lauren every weekend to to do this, and then I'm working fully on my YouTube stuff too. So yeah, like you know, and then obviously too, if you're interested, we have a we have a we have the KP fan server. That is a thing. Um, yield. Yeah, and yield Discord. So I'm really excited, and we're remodeling that of this recording to make sure it's more inclusive. So I'm trying to build a community that you guys can get your projects, get some feedback for your own projects in a way that is constructive and make some friends and all that stuff. And, you know, so please download the app on Discord and, and check and, you know, make some new friends. Yay. Okay. Okay, um, well, I think that's it. So, um, thanks for listening, guys. Hope you have a good week, and we'll see you, um, we'll see you next week. I'll re-record that because people are moving shit. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and we'll see you on ye old social media sites. Uh, yeah, feel free to tweet at us. Uh, also, my, my handle's, uh, the Abbey Roadie. So it's, uh, if you think of Abbey Road, obviously, Beatles, haha, funny. It's like that was done on purpose or something. Yeah, it's funny, it's funny because nobody else had, like, jumped in on that by the time I got that handle. So that was, so I, I jumped in at a good time. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, yeah, so tweet us, tag us, call us peepus if you want to reach us. I, I, I did it. <laughs> you did the thing! I did the thing, too. All right, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right, bye-bye, y'all. Yay, we did it. Thank you so much for listening to Animation Communication on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. We are really hoping this show makes a difference in how people view animation and media, as well as giving and providing advice for people all over the world who like or want to join the animation or media industry. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe and rate those five stars, as well as tell your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our main YouTube channel, I love Kim Possible a lot and turn those notifications on. My name is Scribbler and you have been listening to Animation Communication.